You're listening to Perspectives in Parryville. Today, my guest is Stefan Popanici, an academic and educational researcher. In this episode, we find out more about Stefan's early studies and learning in educational psychology, including the cultural and educational value of folk tales and mythology. We also find out about the intriguing and emerging phenomenon of artificial intelligence, AI, and its implications for education. We explore Stefan's recent research publication, a book called Artificial Intelligence and Learning Futures, Critical Narratives of Technology and Imagination in Higher Education. As part of this, we discuss the concept of intelligence and how information might be closely linked to, but also quite disconnected from, meaning and understanding. We chat about the role of assessment, as well as some of the contexts in which AI might be used, the ideologies that inform and influence these technologies, and with this, some of the associated risks, possibilities and opportunities. Of course, central to our conversation is the importance and value of human factors. Here's my conversation with Stefan Popanici. So, hello, Stefan. Good to see you again. Good morning, Mark, and thank you so much for your invitation. No worries. So, I, clearly, there's a lot happening in the world with um, artificial intelligence, AI, um, and we'll get to that soon. But in the meantime, just so that we get up to speed with maybe your background in research, your background in study, um, I'm interested to find out who who you are, or you know what what you are interested in from from a, maybe from high school, or even earlier, or maybe university. What sort of territory it's, did you explore when you were younger? Uh, it's very, it's, it's a very complicated question for me, and and I, I, I uh, is the first time I, I, I think I'll properly answer this. Uh, so, um, high school was very important for me. I was as a as a voracious reader, and and uh, and I lo- and, and I was lucky to live in a in a in a house. Uh, my 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 father was a book hoarder, and then was a. Uh, uh, Director of a, a massive uh, public li- uh, library, and uh, and um, I was in high school in the worst years of uh, uh, communist dictatorship in Romania, and then I passionately hated uh, the regime and and, uh, and the school. Um, that was equally oppressive, and um, so so at that time I had this discussion with my father, and I tried to make the point that I like. Uh, learning, but I don't like studying. In my mind, was studying was what they do in school. I don't want to do that. I want to learn things. And um, and um, after the revolution, immediately after the re- revolution, is is a is a very convoluted and complex story. But uh, anyway, I got uh, um, I got a job, and and I w- I was an apprentice, and and I uh, I worked for a um, couple of years, two years, I think, as a jeweler. 
And then I realized my, my, you know, when they have master and apprentice, my master said, Stefan, why don't you go to, to, to a university? Because you like reading, you like writing. Uh, that's your thing. It's just, why don't you go there? So I went to university and I was lucky to be in this generation of a great enthusiasm and then great belief of the idea that education can change a country and, uh, and for the good. And then uh, education is, uh, is, is uh, the most substantial and important solution for a better future. And we are furiously studying and, and, and engaging in, in our studies. Uh, that was a, a great time for me. I, I, I learned a lot in, in a system that was very much influenced by the French system with seminars where we had to debate um, uh, the books we had to read. You've, you didn't read th those books, you're out. So not because of the lecture or the professor, but, but your colleagues humiliated you. Uh, that, that's <laughs> yeah. how it was. It was like, you, haven't, you don't know what you're talking about. Get out. Uh, so we I, don't I have time you, for you. You allocated some time to do your reading, I'm imagining. That was the first thing. We, so it, you know, when you're in a university, it's just, you know, it's, it's party, socialize. So no, for, for us and, and my generation, I recently met a friend uh, 30 years ago. We were very good friends in university. Now we are still friends after 30 years. And then, the, and then we are laughing because it was like, like that. It was first you read. And after that, you can party and socialize. And, and, but at first you read your books. You, you had to study that was a very different form of assessment and then we'll go back uh, to this later i guess so i studied education with a minor in psychology and then after that i've, I've done a master's de uh, degree in, in education and um, school administration and my phd in, in education in philosophy of education with a focus on imagination and uh, so so this is my obsession my lifetime <laughs> uh, uh, passion uh, Sorry, I missed, it, I missed that bit about the imagination. What was the... Well, it was very interesting that, that um, I, I, I found that um, the, the uh, specific focus of, uh, of this, I found school education boring. Um, as a, as, as a, the best student in, in university and the worst student in high school, I had both experiences. So I, 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 I believe that we, we have to make it more engaging the way media is making their narratives engaging. And then, you know, um, and then I studied uh, fairy tales because initially fairy tales were used to, to educate and pass values and, and then important lessons of the community. That's right. And then fairy tales have this advantage, not, you know, um, um, folk tales actually, not fairy tales. And then they have the advantage of not being limited to, to a national uh, identity that's an illusion they 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 have common themes for continents uh and then they go beyond national boundaries and and then stupid nationalisms and, and all that they go back yeah, to universal education. universal yes. truths of of life yeah indeed and 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 then one example of narrative that uh, i uh, the simple and then most visible that i can uh, give in in this sense is just uh, you know when when uh, george lucas made his film star wars he went to joseph campbell and then asked him okay you're an expert in in myths and mythology how can i build uh, the the hero uh, the the, uh, the the evil characters yeah. And then the force, what is that? And then you find this, all these things in mythology. Uh, 
And then he managed to come with a narrative that just captured the imagination of the world. Education can use this lesson still, I think. So it sounds as though that captured your imagination in like as part of your learning at university, all of that territory. Yes, yes, indeed. And and, uh, and, uh, and, and I was lucky I, uh, I finalized my PhD in uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, with uh, the with, uh, uh, Center for uh, Narrative Studies in Washington, D.C. And, and, uh, and, uh, and, and I, I had a, a, a fantastic opportunity in the late 90s. Um, in, uh, and at that time, America, the biggest problem they had, and I was a bit puzzled because I came from, from the experience of, a, I was on the streets with, with, with uh, experiencing a very violent revolution and I've seen students killed and shot next to me so so for me to see that the biggest problem for country is is Monica Lewinsky I was a bit puzzled to be honest but that was the biggest problem of America good times and then for me was I had all the museums of Washington DC free so I had a, a free access nothing to pay what well, was great at that time for me uh, and uh, and then access to all um, um, all books I could dream of uh, because they had the internal library um, and then all, all universities in that area, basically almost on the East Coast of the United States. And then you found the book and then you had it. It was, was really, really good. And so what was your, like you did, you completed your initial um, education studies, but then you, you went on to PhD, do a PhD. What was the PhD on? The PhD, that's that's what was the uh, a PhD on on a, a study on um, a philosophy of education and imagination for a more engaging uh, way to um, to design teaching and learning and and uh, and, and curriculum and then how it's possible to use some of these lessons of these ancient narratives for new narratives for to, to engage students in what we are trying to teach and 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 um, engage students in thinking about values and and about wisdom and and about uh, uh, important things in life, because I still believe that life is a bit more than employment, uh, and uh, and and we, if we stop to think, we we don't have time to stop and think these days, but we should. And uh, if we stop to think, we have a a, a, a serious crisis of, of balance in our lives. Uh, we we all know that. Uh, so so living a balanced and 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 um, and. and uh, positive life is is very important. If we, if we find ways to go closer to this aim, I think it's very important. And uh, mm. and it also a pathway to higher learning. What we promise to to give in universities. So, in terms of your your career pathway, what what happened after your time in Washington? Well, um, I was working already as a student. I was, um, I was, as, uh, uh, because I was, I was doing undergraduate research, uh, and, and I was doing it in a, in a professional way. So, so I organized conferences in my university, University of Bucharest, um, in Romania. And, and, uh, and, uh, so a research institute, a national research institute, um, uh, offered me a job and, um, so, so I was already working in educational research. Uh, immediately after I finished my PhD, the Minister of Education um, um, looked at me, and, and at that time, Romania was joining uh, European Union. This is 2000, um, um, and uh, in January 2001, uh, the minister invited me for an interview that 
ended with a short conversation and she said basically you have to write two pages with my program uh, as a minister can you do it until uh, morning and then was I think it was one o'clock in the morning and then uh, she said at six o'clock in the morning I need it can you do it and then I said yes I can do it and I did it and we got a job so so as her senior advisor for policies and and um, and then research and in higher education and then the my job was basically to adapt Romanian higher education and 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 then help the minister join um, uh, higher European higher education area, what is called Bologna process. Uh, it was uh, the Bologna process, so, so I was uh, mainly responsible to that and other things. So I was working as a as a, a senior advisor of the minister, and then after that, I I started jobs with. European Commission, Council of Europe, and then after that I moved to Canada, and then and then after that I moved. Uh, I I got a very um, intense uh, training program in Israel in Jerusalem that was just fantastic. And then there was this guy who said, "Why don't you come to work for my university in Manila?" And then uh, and I said, oh, "It's a Catholic university." I said, "But I'm not religious. I'm not." Uh, and so no, no, no. Our, the only, the only, the only religion we have is the La Salle University. It's La Salian education. It's no. So I knew about La Salian education. And then uh, he said, "The only religion we have is education. So we believe in education." I said, oh, "I have the same religion. I'll come." <laughs> so I moved to Manila, and um, and then uh, but after that I moved to Canada. So yes. Um, and then after that, I moved to New Zealand, and then from New Zealand, I moved to Australia. So, so I had this this international. I was quite lucky because I was going to all these places working. So that that's that's the best you can have. So you when learn, you, and then you are paid for it. When you're kind of moving around quite a lot, but a consistent thread is that you're doing ongoing educational research I, i'm imagining that yes yes definitely no all this time i was uh, so for example in canada i worked at this university um and then how lucky can one be because i worked at this university in vancouver uh it's called simon Fraser university they 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 cut the top of the mountain they built a university on top of the burnaby mountain you can see vancouver at your feet and then, uh, and then it's 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 not bad. It's not bad at all. It's just this this beautiful British Columbia. They call it this way for a reason. And then was just this idyllic uh, existence. And then I was working with a um, with a center on imaginative education. Imagine this. <laughs> Sounds like it's from a folk tale itself. It was. It was. It was many times. I looked at. Uh, it was funny because we had sun um, uh, in, in campus, um, and then it was it was a sunny day, and you could see uh, Vancouver down there in the clouds. Uh, it it was a bit surreal. Uh, and then next to the university, they built this thing called creatively, and I'm sarcastic here, uh, university, <laughs> and then this oh, small a, city, <laughs> a pun of sorts. Yes, that was a bit of a dad joke. <laughs> mm. And uh, in this city, it was possible to basically live for a year, not going out of the mountain. So, so was was quite quite very few did that, but it was possible. So, so you were a bit in, in your own bubble, and then this came with with certain advantages. It was great for research. Was great for publications. So, in terms of your more recent 
uh, research, especially in Australian Australian universities, um, what sort of areas did you tend to focus on? Uh, educational technology was was uh, um, a focus of my research for uh, over uh, ten years, probably the last fifteen years. Educational uh, technology and, and the use uh, the way we use technology in education, I think, is very important. It's part of what is shaping our uh, view of the world and and uh, and then is is definitely changing our lives. So I I see education as an integral part of the of our life. Uh, so this was um, um, focus of my research uh, definitely, um, and um, and then for the last uh, since 2016 15 yes something like that was uh, specifically artificial intelligence in in uh, in higher education in teaching and learning, basically in in education teaching and learning. And, and um, it's interesting because I, uh, in 2017, an article was published uh, that I published with, with a, a great friend and collaborator I have, uh, uh, Dr. Sharon, Sharon Kerr, uh, University of Sydney. And then we published this article at that time. And then, um, and then it, we the feedback constantly came saying this topic is not relevant for higher education. Artificial intelligence is one thing that, you know, and then now we, 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 we talk only about these things. So, so I think we, we need to go back to find the balance. You're listening to Perspectives in Parryville. So there's clearly, there's a lot happening in the world. Everyone has spent, especially the last two months over summer, it's been this intense um, discussion about artificial intelligence. However, however as you're outlining, it, it's not a new phenomenon. It's been around for a while. But I mean, in order to get it understood by people, everyday people, what, what can you outline well, how did you approach your research process? You know, did you, yeah, what, what did you actually do to kind of over over the last few years and then in the build-up to the book that you've recently published? I I think the, the field of educational technology is very complex and, and very hard to, to research for a variety of reasons. One is that it is... Uh, is is distorted by hype, uh, by um, by interests. It's, it's a lot of money uh, at stake. Uh, there you have massive corporations with enormous interests uh, in, in this. And then I'll, I'll just digress uh, uh, a second here. Uh, for anyone interested, I suggest to to uh, search um, uh, Google Academics Incorporated, and then there's a report, an independent report about how certain corporations are paying academics who do not disclose their uh, donors and then they present their research as independent research. And then uh, that's um, uh, raising not only ethical uh, issues, but is showing how complex and how hard it is to, to find what is, um, what is legitimate, what is good, what is bad. And then, and then this is I'm looking at pra practically my, in very simple words, my research is focused on how educational technology is used in, in, uh, in practice by uh, those who teach in, in uh, our universities. 
uh, how is it is used by students, what are the, the, the opportunities, what are the risks. Um, we, we, we don't talk about risks uh, in general, very rarely is this is very poorly represented um, um, in literature and then in research, the, the, the part of risks and then, and then hidden interest associated with these technologies. So basically this is what not going to very specific um, uh, topics and then the, this is what I'm I'm doing. I'm I'm starting from practice and then I'm looking at. Um, I can give you an example. You mentioned uh, artificial intelligence. The the intriguing part for me is that um, um, many institutions and educational departments and and and, and um, uh, educational authorities across the world are saying. This is a new thing. We have to take time to see how it goes. It's not new. It was, um, I, as I said before, I wrote a, a paper on, on artificial intelligence in teaching and learning in higher education that was published in 2017. It took a year to be reviewed. So why is this new for so many people in education should be a big question. Where was the vision? Where was, what, what, where they were looking? And then unfortunately, universities called um, Wolf so many times on minor things that now I'm afraid that many people are going to say, well, it's another fad. It's not. Artificial intelligence is going to change a lot. Um, an example is MOOCs. Um, I lived the time when I wrote uh, uh, just basically saying, you know, MOOCs are great, but they're just one of the things. They're not the avalanche that was mentioned by different reports coming over university. Some vice chancellors were saying we have to, uh, and I remember this was an article in, uh, in Australian media was uh, saying, we have to sell now the campus. Um, and then basically suggesting we have to give it to real estate developers because now we have MOOCs. Mm. And I was just saying- Just to clarify that massive online, what is it, massive online? Massive, online? Open, on, massive open online courses. courses. And that was the, 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 the whole hype. Uh, uh, not many long ago, and then, and then some academics were personally offended when I said, "Well, I don't think this is going to massively change higher education." It didn't. <laughs> um, yeah, they've kind of had a bit of a resurgence in the corporate um, world with the online, especially with COVID, that kind of idea. But yeah, it certainly wasn't the huge avalanche that was predicted um, several years ago. But I guess it's hard with the um, technology because we all know that sometimes technology is a fad and it does date or it becomes redundant. So what's different about um, this new kind of technology just in terms of it, it's not a fad or, how, you know, tell us more about that. It's opening new possibilities that are um, um, associated with great opportunities and and, and uh, unprecedented risks um, was um, um, was I like to cite ideas that I, I find. So, so if it's not my idea, I'm going to, to say the source, not, not citing academically, but it was an article recently in, um, in the New York Times saying how artificial intelligence is going to hijack our democracy. Um, so the possibility, if you think about ChatGPT, uh, that is at the center of, of all this, this conversation, um, um, the possibility to, to, to have uh, an immense flood of um, uh, messages um, uh, that manipulate information, that create fake uh, 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 
stories and then and then and then uh, um, and then, and then mislead people um, uh, and then influence the way they vote. Um, this is unprecedented. The possibilities are unprecedented. So this is opening a very new chapter in what is possible to do with technology. Um, so artificial intelligence is at a level that was not uh, uh, accessible until now. So now is 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 is, is in the open. Is uh, available to all. Is going to be even more available. And um, and it's important to have a very serious discussion about uh, what is possible, what are the risks, and what are the opportunities. Um, and I, I, I mm. think we're at, at the beginning. So in terms of like when your focus is on specifically higher ed, but obviously, or I mean, does it does it have does it that sort of um sort of area of focus? Um, also extend to say the school education or other areas, even work workplace training or other other areas. I mean, I guess I'm just looking, thinking of the risks, the possibilities, the opportunities. I mean, can you give us a summary of what some some of the biggies are? Yes, and then um, it, it, it is very it is very difficult to summarize uh, some very complex uh, uh, issues associated with with artificial intelligence. What I what I describe in the first part of uh, of uh, of the book uh, that was just published by Routledge in, in uh, artificial artificial intelligence and learning futures is uh, that behind artificial intelligence is a certain ideology, is a certain way of looking at the world. That is definitely influencing the the uh, the, the uh, products of artificial intelligence and the way we are going to use it. Um, ignoring this is very dangerous, and this is the first part. Another part is so it's important to think what's behind the words and then what's behind the theory that is is and then the products that are given to us uh, with so much generosity. There is no generosity in this field. It's it's, it's, it's always a reason. We, we, we have access to these things. Um, and then, um, and then to, to specifically answer your question, what I say about higher education is definitely applicable for it. For, um, so what, what happened, if you look at uh, educational technology, universities started using uh, some products. And then, and then after that, um, at the adoption in, in different universities across the world, they were adopted by high schools and then after that by primary education. And now Google Classroom is used in some kindergartens and then yeah. so on. So, so what sort of what what would be some uh, one of these tools or that people would readily under uh, recognize? Just to... um well now is Chat GPT because everybody hears about that. So so yeah. you put you put there a sentence and then you say write uh, a story about uh, uh, World War One. If this is your assignment, let's yeah. uh, assume you're you're a student and and, um, uh, and the, the causes of draws, World War One draws upon all the data sources. Yes, and then combines it all together, comes up with a, a kind of a a quite a readable paragraph or two, or in a whole yes. essay. Exactly, and then it comes with what uh, a, a perfect grammar, perfect syntax, perfect form, and then perfect citations. What's what's not to like? Well, a lot, and then uh, this is what I find really intriguing about uh, about uh, the reaction of, of some people in education of of uh, uh, the idea of banning it. 
I think the idea of banning it is 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 uh, is an illusion. It's, it's like this is going to be part of internet. Uh, Microsoft, Google already say they are going to integrate functions like ChatGPT in their search engines. You can't ban internet. That's absurd. If you are not North Korea, this is not going to work. Um, so this is this should be off the table entirely. My question is why we don't stop asking ourselves, uh, how did we reach the point where something produced by ChatGPT can pass us legitimate assessment? Because anyone using it can immediately realize that there is no debt. This software doesn't understand words, it's predicting words. So it's not, it cannot come with meanings and then profound understandings, profound messages, it's just words. And then it's just data collected from database. Sometimes wrong information, quite often. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a story now making rounds, you know, CNET so is a, a publication that was, was a, 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 a very important voice in, 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 um, for technology and, and those looking for news in technology. And then they fired basically many journalists and then they, they used uh, AI to write their stories. The problem is that pretty soon they realized that their stories were plagiarized, um, full of inconsistencies, wrong information, just absurd. And and, and, and now they have, uh, uh, they suspended it. And then they said, uh, we have to rethink the whole model. But there is a le lesson here. It's just that uh, universities should think, we reached a point where Dropping a number of words in in, a, in an assignment can and then in a, in a you know relatively good form can pass us good assessment. Um, maybe we have a problem with the way we assess, right? And then the, the you know the the, uh, the use of uh, AI. So it's a lot not to like about uh, about this, and then it's a, it's a lot uh, of of uh, uh, there are so many possibilities of misuse. At the beginning, someone, someone uh, researchers looked at ChatGPT and they said, can you teach me how to shoplift? And then ChatGPT was happy to give them a, 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 a list of instructions and how not to be caught shoplifting. And then, uh, so I ha I, I, I'm absolutely sure that now those running it uh, uh, found a way to block this specific request. But there are so many others. The, the human imagination is the limit here uh, of, of misuse. Um, so, yes. I like the fact that we are crossing at lightning speed across risks, possibilities, opportunities, um, and then the fact that you are able to identify my clear irony in my initial question, whereas, as I understand, that's one of the serious immediate limitations of this sort of technology is to interpret human nuance, for example, or you know, this sort of territory? Yes, uh, it, there, there are a couple of, of uh, big debates that are uh, completely ignored um, in, in the evolution of artificial intelligence. Those who came with the idea, first of all, they had a massive debate um, in, in late 60s when um, uh, they came up with a, with, a, with a formula of artificial intelligence. They hated it because they know it's wrong. Uh, Artificial is not standing for something positive. Um, and intelligence is such a loaded political term 
uh, is is very problematic. Is, uh, let's put it this way. Well, um, the the way we think about intelligence. Let's put it this way: the way we think about intelligence in in the modern world is definitely shaped, and and this is how it started by eugenic movements of looking at at, at intelligent and non-intelligent races. Um, well, this later developed in in in, in fascism and then uh, Nazi ideology. This is what's at, 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 at the roots of intelligence, the way we look at now. So when we say uh, we are naturally attracted by the concept of intelligence because we all like to be to discover that we are intelligent. So it's a very natural attraction. But when we stop thinking, well, what is actually intelligent? We realize that there are many, many other questions that we have to answer before we come with a, with a good answer. You're listening to Perspectives in Parryville. It's all of a sudden, it's more complex under the hood than I had first realised. I mean, how, what's the, where does this come from, this idea that there are limits for this concept of intelligence and artificial intelligence? And, you know, how, how do you, what, what's that informed by? One one important uh, aspect we have to keep in mind is is uh, how cybernetics uh, developed, and 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 uh, one important debate uh, that shaped the whole development of artificial intelligence as we have it now is is what is information, and and uh, the brilliant idea one uh, uh, thinker I, I I hesitate to call them engineers or academics or but it was a thinker it was a philosopher actually it was a philosophical debate at that time was to look at what is information and they said, if we want to uh, to make these systems work, we have to disconnect meanings from um, from information. Um, the, 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 uh, a, a student of Wittgenstein who was working with this group at that time said, but this is ju just beeps. They don't make any sense. So that's a great danger ahead for the way we think about information, what is information. But I went ahead with this idea that information is just zero and one uh, bits of, of, um, of, of, um, uh, of what we hear uh, beeps. The meaning of it is disconnected. This is very different from the way. This is. A, I try to simplify something very complex in in in, in a sentence. So, so I, 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 I kindly ask you to forgive me for <laughs> for bastardizing a very complex concept. But but um, but in in what we see now is is this profound in, incapacity of uh, of artificial intelligence solutions to come with meanings. And and if we we if we think about applications, was a very funny article about uh, U.S. military. They have the most advanced applications of artificial intelligence. And then uh, and then well, it was research on, on how was possible to beat artificial intelligence um, uh, in in a um, um, warlike scenario. And then they had soldiers who tried to beat the the AI. Um, uh, 
software that was designed to identify soldiers, inc incoming soldiers. They failed. Uh, and then after that, the request was, okay, now try to be creative. And then what they did, they they were acting like they were acting in, in some um, video games. So couple of, one soldier dressed himself as a tree and then advanced as a tree. The, the AI couldn't identify uh, it as a soldier. Another one um, hid under, uh, sorry, another two soldiers giggling hid under a cardboard box and then, uh, and then advanced and then couldn't be identified. And then the point is that the meaning of, of what happened couldn't be understood by artificial intelligence. To give you another uh, um, reason to ask questions is that we should stop ask and then ask some sim simple questions. If artificial intelligence is so advanced, so powerful, and then, and then we read some headlines saying that this is it, humans are replaced, why don't we have a vaccine for HIV? When this is a simple virus that we can see, we can control in a lab, it's not climate change, it's not a complex ecosystem, it's, it's just one small thing that, that something so powerful could fix, isn't it? But we still don't have it. So we should think about, first of all, limits, seriously about limits, and then, and then, uh, and then going back, sorry, to jump back to my field of interest, education, we should ask seriously ask ourselves how did you reach this point where our industrial model of education made measurements relevant for something so irrelevant that can be replicated by a software yeah i guess that speaks to the keyword which i have circled in my notes of ideology of you know what's happening underneath the surface in terms especially with education what's the purpose of education Yes, um, it's a it's a it's a it's a very interesting um, uh, a conversation here. And and I, I, I recently I know some books were asking what are universities for. For me, it's it's, it's relatively simple to be honest. But and then probably based on, on my personal experience and then growth. As I said, it's great to go around the world and learn and be paid at the same time for learning. Uh, I love that. Um, Universities have the capacity of uh, uh, bringing together brilliant minds and then they come and then they still have the promise of giving society solutions for the common good. We have the responsibility for our students and for the public to come with a better future, to give all something better for our common life and then, and then, and then common interest and common good and, and uh, for our societies to be civil. And then this is what education should stand for, uh, not to be training institutes for uh, employers. That's part of the, um, it shouldn't be the main aim. It's not the only way. When we reduce education to these kind of small things, we lose a lot. And then we tend in this rushed life and then lack of attention that we, we can't afford with the avalanche of things and tasks and and then uh, what we have to do and, and all the information, we tend to lose this capacity to stop and think, well, if we cut all these uh, um, generous aims of, of education, what are we left with? Um, are we, can we 
whinge that we we don't have a civil society anymore that that we have fascism on the rise across the uh, civilized world um which i i don't think it's it's, it's it, this is what you get uh, so yes this is uh going back to ideology you know silicon valley was i said about the the roots of intelligence amazingly the uh, silicon valley's founder was a fascist um, um, so if you if you look at uh, some of the, the uh, not all and, and I don't I hate generalizations and then I had, hate the idea of banning banning books is re reprehensible but many uh, systems of in the United States they have a list of banned books so how did we reach this point is another big discussion but um, but the ideology that is prevalent in in Silicon Valley should concern us is this is this uh, aligned with what we we promise to give with education with with the idea of good education anyway yeah this is a, a a really huge huge issue yes uh, you you have very influential people in silicon valley openly saying in conferences and, and speeches that they they actually intensely dislike the idea of democracy is this where universities want to go because the technology that is sold by the same people is going to reflect somehow their beliefs. Um, it, 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 you, you can't separate this, it's an illusion. It's, we are sold this myth. Well, we are sold different mythologies, but, but this myth in particular, that technology is something that is disconnected from the bias and, 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 and our um, um, uh, limited uh, capacity to look at the world. It's not true. All technology is created by humans. All software is created by humans. And then all these products, technology and software, keep with them the biases and then, and then the prejudices of their creators. Um, it, this is how it works. So it is important to keep an active mind and then some healthy skepticism and then think, how are we going to do use all this to our advantage rather than being manipulated and and, and we, yeah yeah so what are you i mean I'm, I'm hovering around the kind of combined risks possibilities opportunities and i mean what what are some some of the the kind of ways well not so much ways forward but what at this point in time like it's you know, it's a good question. How did we get to this point? But then, looking at the how this will move into the future, what are what are some areas that would be really quite ideal for people to focus on? I think the most important thing is is to 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 stop now and think um, uh, what we need to change in education, and then we can start. I think it's a very good point to start to, with our assessments. The way we do assessments in, in education at all levels is is obsolete, and then uh, it is 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 um, is is not relevant many times for what we promise when we attract students to 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 our schools or universities. I can give you an example that is is uh, can be checked. Look at uh, um, uh, nursing, for example, and then look at the way they do assessments. When you see that the majority of assessments are essays, well, one problem is that I don't want a nurse to do an essay why I am lying in bed when I'm in hospital. 
No, I, I want different kind of of of, of uh, uh, thinking skills and 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 then, uh, and then professional skills, but especially thinking skills because a brilliant nurse and then unfortunately last year when I wrote the book I was in hospital and then I can tell you I had a brilliant nurse and then I was I was I was really sad to hear that, that she just retired and then why she was brilliant was that she used her experience to see what was wrong with a patient and that the doctor named Ed missed. And the brilliant doctor that I had was asking this particular nurse, how is my patient doing? What have you noticed? With great trust, because, and, and this is not coming from writing essays. This is the first part, but worse than that, these essays are dropped words on a piece of paper with no meaning or, or and that's why we, we, we look at that chat GPT and then say, well, this looks like our assessments <laughs> because we don't look at what's the, what are you trying to say when you write an essay? Yeah, I guess it's that information, how you mentioned earlier, the information versus the meaning of the yes. word. Yes. And then this is, this is going back to the idea of making education human again. It's not human. It's, it's, it's a process, it's a conveyor belt of, of Give me 1,500 words, write citation, write syntax, write grammar, write thing. It's just, if you have a message good, if you don't have a message good, how is this relevant for what you learned and, and, and how you think and, and what you want to say? Well, this is, this is the, you know, on the margins of, of our interest. Because when you have 500 students, <laughs> realistically, you can't ask an academic to look for these kind of things. So it is it's important to rethink. I can give you, again, a practical example. I was, I was reading about um, uh, Finland, that Finland is using um, from uh, year one of school until the, the last year of university, uh, classes to deal with misinf misinformation online. So rather than banning internet, they use it in their classrooms and they say, this information is, is, uh, is online, this information is online. Let's engage with it to see which one is fake. Which one is fact? How do you think we can answer? How do you think we can engage with it? Why do you think uh, this is dangerous? What? This is the way to do education. This is this is what I think. Um, it, it shouldn't be a secret, but but it requires us to rethink education in terms of our humanity rather than what's the most efficient way to do it. The most efficient way to do it, I can tell you now, is to have a student asking in one short sentence, write an essay uh, on, on the specific topic that was required. And then academic after that, putting the essay that was produced by ChatGPT on ChatGPT and then say, provide an assessment of this essay in 150 words. And you can do both. And in the end, nobody learns anything and then nobody did anything in, in, in reality. You just use this. So this is where we are. It's a perfect metaphor or where we risk to push education if we don't change anything, to be completely irrelevant to our lives. We can't afford this risk. Well, what what are our options? Well, there's a lot happening and it's potentially quite overwhelming. My cognitive load has is up to this point. So what do we do? As I said in, in our conversation, universities are filled still with brilliant minds. Let's engage in an open conversation and, and look at possibilities to use it to our advantage. 
And I really believe it's, 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 a, it's a great opportunity to us, uh, or open to us, to use this advancement of technology to our advantage. Um, and then, um, and then we have a long history in, in, um, in, in, in for the human race where the advancement of technology was used to uh, for good. We can do it again. Um, it's just technology. It's, it's, it's not magic. It's not a new alchemy. It's not going to, to, to provide magical solutions. We can use it the way we want, and then we have the potential to use it for good. In this episode, I chatted with Stefan Popanici, an academic and educational researcher. You can find out more about this episode in the show notes, including more information about Stefan's research publications and his latest book, Artificial Intelligence and Learning Futures, Critical Narratives of Technology and Imagination in Higher Education. Thank you for listening to Perspectives in Parryville.